My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the Six Figure Entrepreneurs Podcast. My guest today is Carrie Prejean. Carrie is a strategic business advisor who serves business owners, consultants, coaches, and others about what's working and what's not working in small to medium-sized businesses today. Carrie also speaks with uh, business owners about creating a second income, income stream, and wealth building. He offers CFO consulting and executive coaching services to small and medium-sized businesses. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation today about how you can utilize a fractional CFO to help you expand your business and also get more out, not only of your business, but also in your life. So Carrie, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Jeff, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you please tell us a little bit about who you are and how you became so amazing at what you do? Uh, well, typical accounting background, I got your, uh, the, account, the degree in accounting, uh, went to work for some of the big Fortune 500 companies and uh, did a stint with Arthur Anderson, a big CPA firm at the time as a tax accountant. Um, got hired away uh, by a client and became, back then it was uh, the controller, the controller company. Most people, in fact, I don't remember hearing the terms chief financial officer or CFO until probably the last 20 years. So there were several companies that I was the controller or the secretary treasurer of. And at some point I saw that the business owners were struggling with you know, like here's your financial statement for last month, last year. Here's your tax return for last year. Here's here's the scorecard for what's already happened. Essentially, that was the, the relationship. And business owners in general aren't very good at translating their financial statements into what they're saying about the company because they don't have an accounting degree. You know, they're good at sales. They're good at uh, they're good at manufacturing. They're good at construction. They're good at engineering. They're good at wholesaling. But you know, it's kind of like the commercial that Danny DeVito is in. He says, you remember when you graduated from that task force? Of course you don't, because you didn't. You know, you, they don't have the background. The other thing that entrepreneurs in general um, don't have is they don't have a lot of uh, organizational skills. They don't have in terms of how to build a highly functional organization. They're very good at ideas. They're very good at making things happen. They're very good at capturing opportunities where other people see risk. But they're not good managers generally you know what's a good manager good manager is going to make sure you have a process a procedure you're going to follow it. it's going to you know i mean the best managers i know they, they want things nice and boring nice and steady no interruptions no upheavals just nice and steady but as entrepreneurs you know they're bouncing all over the place sometimes so with that it was like so how can i help these these business owners how can i help these ceos think more strategically in terms of what the financial statements are saying and have them look out in the future, like how can we make some different moves based on where we are now? Um, so it's in asking the right questions, asking good questions that got them to think 
because basically if you're just having thoughts, you're not really thinking. You're just having the same old thoughts again. There's no there's no new learning there. So to really to really learn, you need to ask the right questions to spark some reflection on on what's what don't I see here? What's missing for me? What can I learn here? So it was in that process, and again, it didn't happen overnight. It was a, it was a, I struggled with it to develop. It wasn't until 1987 that I ran across a new technology. Became uh, I, I don't want to say obsessed with it, but I came very intrigued with it. Did a whole lot uh, of studying with it. Eventually, became a certified coach in this whole thing called the ontology of language or ontological design, um, and that really helped me to refine the process, refine what what. Uh, what I could do for business owners uh, in, in a big, big way. So I, I probably said way too much. I'll stop there. No, that's actually really interesting because you touched on a few interesting points that I'd like to, that I'd like to expand upon, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of what you mentioned was that, you know, uh, business owners are usually pretty good in sales, right. Or, but they're not necessarily good with the numbers or they're not necessarily good with the, you know, with the nitty gritty of what it takes to keep the operation going. In your opinion, what do you think is, what part of that equation is more important, the relationships that they build or the actual sales that they make? I mean, does sales cure everything or is there something else there that you need to make sure that everything is running smoothly? Well, I think there's a fine balance there. I mean, to me, the the, the big uh, the big job description, the big the big position for entrepreneurs, business owners is number one: you need to be a visionary. You need to be the guy that's looking at the horizon, seeing what's coming, what are the opportunities we can seize on, what are the technological changes that we need to make sure we're on top of, what are the risks, what are the dangers that we need to mitigate or navigate around. And the other part is being the main revenue generator. You don't have to manage the business just because you own it, because you started it, because it's your baby. You don't have to manage the day-to-day. Not only that, you're not going to be very good at it. You know, if you look at most business owners, when they, quote, manage a company, they micromanage it. They got their fingers in everything. And really what they're concerned about is not so much that things get done, but things get done the way they want them to get done. You know, remember the Nero Casino, there's the way, there's the right way, that's the wrong way, and there's my way of doing things. We do things my way. And, it's, and you know, who cares if it's a business owner's way, as long as the job gets done in the time that's needed to be done. You know, and the other thing is the, the owner who does that, who micromanages, he, he teaches his organization to become dependent on him to fix everything. Right. He, they make he makes it the, the organization is codependent on him being there to operate. If he's not there, things fall apart. And it's ma- mainly because if the, the message gets sent to the employees is you're not going to do it the way I want it. You're incompetent. Uh, you can't handle it. You need me to fix this stuff. You know, don't don't step outside the box. Don't think too much. Don't try too hard. I'm going to be here when it's needed. So you have this dysfunctional organization that can't you know, get the ball over the, over the goal line and the business owner is always having to be called in. And so what happens is you have a business owner that's working 80 to 100 hours a week, can't take a long vacation, and is constantly plagued with all this minutia that if he just trained the organization to be, you know, self-sufficient and, and be able to operate without him in the background, he can be freed up to do things that are really important really much more valuable that he would be a visionary and a main revenue generator rather than a minutia manager, way more valuable to the organization. And for him to learn how to be a quote, a good manager, he'd have to unlearn how to be a good entrepreneur and become a good manager. And you're much more valuable as an entrepreneur than as a good manager. Right? 
So yes, the sales is, is important. And really, <clears throat> in relationship with employees to me, should be one more out of, have you heard this term, uh, leadership through service? Uh, where exactly. it's like, hey, how can I help you do your job better? Is there anything you need from me? Is there anything in your career? Do you need some skills training? Are you missing anything to do your job? You know, how can I help you do a better job here and be more satisfied to where you're going to want to work here? You're going to be motivated to work here. And I, was like, I care about you. Because if you ask most people, you know, just kind of in general, unscripted, unrecorded, what do you think about the business owner? And you kind of get, what do you like about him? What do you don't like about him? One of the constant things I hear about is he doesn't care about me or she doesn't care about me. And that thing of that whole issue of care is essential to this element of trust that's, you know, essential to interaction between human beings. You're not going to, you're not going to do anything with somebody that you have absolutely no trust in. Right. And you might do some things like in an employee employer relationship when it's transactional, you show up for work, I'll pay you. Okay. I'll show up for work and you pay me, but am I going to do anything extra? Am I going to volunteer to stay late? Am I trying to learn new skills? Am I going to, you know, think of a better way? No, I'm going to show up. As George Carlin likes to say, or used to say, most people just work hard enough to not get fired and make just enough money to not quit. And that's what you have. So if you really want an organization of people that are going to be loyal to you, that your competition is not going to be able to hire away from you, that aren't going to quit, that are going to work, want to work together, you need to build an organization that's basically, I say basically, that's based in trust. There has to be some bigger, bigger than just transactional, you show up for work, I'll pay you. It has to be more than that. They have, they, they have to get you care about them. And that takes that, so that takes a different kind of entrepreneur and one who'll stay out of the way. You know what's interesting about that is uh, you know, trying to tell the difference between short-term thinking and long-term thinking. Right. In terms of, uh, you know, what what are the tactics that you're going to use and what is the strategy you're going to use to get there? What do you think is more effective for uh, for business owners to employ? You know, what is it that short term thinking, you know, to get the job done and get the product out? Or is it more long term, like thinking, you know, like one year, three year, five years in order to make sure that your business is, in fact, viable? Like, I know there are some nuances in both, but what do you think is more valuable? Um, in the long term, in the bigger picture, the long term strategy is much more valuable. And mm-hmm. the the problem is most people don't do it. You know, what, what's the expression? It's hard to remember your job was drain the swamp when you're up your ass in alligators. You know, when you have all this, I live in know, Florida and haven't problem. learned that one. <laughs> you never, maybe it's, just, I never it's an age thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're sitting there and you have production problems or you have shipping problems, you have supply problems, employee problems, whatever, it's hard to remember, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to plan for the next 20 years. But a lot of people talk about, I want to, you know, I want to do strategic planning. I want to manage by the numbers. I want to manage by 20,000, 30,000 foot elevation. And they never do it because they're always distracted with managing minutia. And what I say is, here's a distinction. You're going to do all that stuff. You're going to make payroll. You're going to pay the bankers note. You're going to pay your taxes. You're going to you do the stuff you have to do, the important and urgent things you're going to do anyway. Why? Because the consequences like right now or next week, it's not, not very far in the future. If you don't plan strategically for the long term, when's the consequence going to show up if you don't do it? Not until 20, 30 years down the road. That's when you find out, oh, hell, my business isn't anywhere near where I thought it would be by now. But if you, So if you're not strategizing, you're not planning as a regular 
regular process in your business, you're not making the time for that, you never will, because there's always something else to come up. And that's what happens. Oh, yeah, we're going to plan. Oh, hey, boss, uh, we got a problem. Uh, well, okay, we'll have that planning meeting next week. Uh, well, listen, you know, this customer, you know, just wants to leave. You need to go. Okay, so we'll have it next week. And it's the next week, the next week, the next week. The next thing you know, it's 30 years from now, and you haven't done anything. And that's when the consequence shows up. You know, it's really so interesting that you br- uh, that you bring that up because what you're talking about here is uh, you basically need to be doing both, right? You need to be thinking, you know, both uh, short term because, you know, you need that rent paid or you need that mortgage paid in order to keep things going. But also, you know, like no one goes into the, no one goes into business with this artificial due date of my business is going to close at the end of the month or end of the year, you know, they, we all start businesses and we start these ventures with the intention to keep them going perpetually. Right. So if you're not thinking, you know, like, how am I going to make this, how am I going to make this business work? You know, if we're going into a recession, how am I going to make this business work? If we're coming out of a recession, how am I going to make this business work? If lo and behold, everything shuts down and we all have to stay home for the next six months. You know, it's like, these are all really big questions and they're not far-fetched as we learned over the past two years, right? right? These are very, very interesting and, uh, you you know, hard-hitting questions that business owners need to be grappling with and they need to be dynamic enough in order to make sure that they're hitting. Let me ask you this though, zooming in a little bit closer to home. How do you, what are you doing on a, you know, like on a day-to-day basis to help your business grow so that you can serve more clients, you you know, to this capacity to help them understand what it is that they need to do in order to perpetuate their business? Well, what I do on a daily basis, and I can, again, that's why I do this with clients throughout the month. I don't do it with every client every day. I don't have the time, but I'm always checking in with them, even on, you know, I check in with them on a, on a non-scheduled basis. You know, most of my clients I have at least a weekly meeting with. And so, and again, one of the benefits of COVID taught us we can do most of this stuff remotely. So now my geographic base, you know, used to be just local South, South Louisiana. Now I have clients in Miami and Idaho and Massachusetts and uh, California. So, yes. But what I do is I check in with them and, you know, I ask them the questions they need to be asking their employees. Is there anything you need from me? Are you missing anything? Is there anything going on that I can help you with that you're, you're, you're stuck with? Is there anything getting in your way? Is there some, some question in your mind or is there something that you can't, you just can't get over your, you're in your head about? Um, you know, is everything fine? Is it, what, what's going on? Do you want to talk? Um, and I find that, you know, there are times when it's not, oh, man, everything's fine. Appreciate you checking in. You know, we'll talk at a regular meeting. But every now and then you get somebody who's like, yeah, this is what's going on. I really don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I, I've been trying to fix it. And see, that's that's the thing. <clears throat> As business owners, they think that they're expected to know how to fix everything. They're supposed to know how to do everything. It's their business, right? They're supposed to know everything. And they're not. That's the problem. We're human beings. We have you know, we have a, a repertoire of competencies and then there's everything else. So um, one of the things to learn to do is to ask for help is to recognize, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. So that's one thing that one of the things that they usually start with new clients is if you know how to fix what, what this is, what we're talking about, if you know how to fix this, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. You have fixed it by now. So the thing to learn is, is when you get to something that it's a chronic problem over and over and over again, what what it's telling you is you don't know how to fix this. You need to get some help. 
Interesting. Yeah. So basically what you're talking about here is, you know, first of all, you know, I guess it's part of that, uh, you know, the steps to recovery. First of all, you have to admit that you have a problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like some people have an easier time than others, you know, actually admitting that. So like, you know, like in my business, I read and write English to a very high level. Right. But Mm -hmm. should I be writing thousand word blog posts, you know, for my clients? Uh, Hell no. Like I should be, I should stay far away from that keyboard because that is not my true skill. It'll take me three to five days to crank out a thousand word blog post when I can hire someone for $50 to do that for me. Right. And those are the kind of problems that I'm always looking at. Like, okay, am I really the right person to do it? I think it's important for me to understand a little bit about how it gets done, but you know, actually digging into the weeds and dictating, I want you to write a preamble first. I want you to write the, the thesis sent the thesis sentence second. And then I want you to write three whole paragraphs. Like if I get into that kind of level, no one's ever going to get anything done, right? I need to make sure that I am giving them enough direction to just say like, Hey, I need you to make this thing great. I want uh, anyone who reads it, who is going to be wowed by the content. Um, let me know when you're done. Right. And, right. you know, very, very similar to what you're talking about, you know, that, you know, if someone is talking about, you know, challenges in their business, the reason why it's a challenge is because they haven't resolved it yet. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. very key where someone like you comes in, you know, almost ninja style and, and is like, okay, this, uh, I know how to fix this particular part in this song. I'm going to help you do it. Right. Right. And here's the thing. I don't really have many answers. I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen some strategies that work, don't work. The owners have the answers. They just don't know how to access them. What I have, I know how to ask the right questions. They have the owners access the, the answers to their problems, the solution to their problems. I mean, I don't know anything about engineering. I don't know anything about production lines and all that stuff, but I can ask you the right questions that you'll come up with the right answer or your people will. Um, you know, so it. it's, it's a good coach. A good coach asks the right questions and the right questions will invite thinking or learning to some extent that will empower you rather than disempower you by focusing on what's not working. Does that make sense? If you focus on the problem, all you're going to see is a problem. So you have to get off the problem so much and ask about the solution. What's possible here? What are we missing here? And it's in that thinking that all of a sudden, oh yeah, hey, what about this? And you know what? I tried to, you know, the next thing you know, especially in a collaboration of people, I mean, that is, that's magical. That's magical when you have people who are highly competent and have different perspectives come together. And next thing you know, in a short time with a, with a huge collaboration, they come up with a solution that's just unbelievable. But amazing, you need to ask the right question. And, and most business owners don't deal in questions. They deal in answers. I want answers right now. I want this to happen right now. They don't stop and ask questions. I mean, the question that gets asked sometimes that's fairly disempowering, and they don't necessarily have to say the words is, what are you, stupid? You know, that comes mm-hmm. across a lot. When somebody screws up or they don't do it the way the boss wants it, what are you stupid? That's a big message they get, even though the boss may not say it, say those words. But that, that's that's a disempowering question, not a very empowering one. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you have given a CEO to help them improve their business? Uh, the thing that I work on with all of my clients, you know, at some point when we get, when we can get the actual finance, data out done and going we can get dysfunction out of the business the big question i work with them on is satisfaction 
and again, we talked about this a little bit before the show, is a mentor of mine 30, 35 years ago, and he asked me a question. He said, you want to know the secret of life? I said, yeah. He says, getting exactly what you want. You want to be ultimately satisfied. I said, man, that's a fantastic. You know, if I had everything I wanted. He goes, you know, it's the secret to getting that? Ask for what you want. That's all I could come up with. He goes, yeah, ask for what you want, but you have to know what you want first. You have to take the time and the patience and the process of, and a lot of times finding out a lot of things you don't want, you thought you did, but when you got them, actually, nah, I don't want this. You know, it's kind of like relationships. When I first really was seriously dating girls, you know, there's different personality types. One of the things I found out I don't want real fast was crazy. If there's crazy involved, <laughs> I'm out. Now, some people I know enjoy crazy. They enjoy the excitement and the, you know, the blood, the mud, the blood and the beer of that kind of relationship. I don't. So for a business owner, they have to, I mean, down to the fine points of how the business is run, what products, geographical territories, um, what kind of people you want to have in there, what kind of management structure, what do you want to build for long-term, you know, what, what do you want your exit strategy to look like? Um, vendors, customers, I mean, you have to really think about that takes a lot of concentration. That takes a long time to process. And in the, you know, in the process, you're going to find a lot of things you didn't, you thought you wanted, but didn't. Are you going to kiss some frogs, as they say? And so what? That's, 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 that's part of life. But if you're always pursuing that, what's going to satisfy me, you will be ultimately satisfied. And that's a much deeper experience than, hey, we had a big sales year or have we had a successful whatever. The, the whole experience of satisfaction along the way, <clears throat> number one, it's going to get your mood a lot better. You're going, to, you're going to live more in a mood of ambition and peace and joy and gratitude, which generally tends to open your horizon to what's possible, as well as the actions that you have available to you at any given time. It's rather than you live in moods of, say, resentment and resignation, you know, mainly you're going to be focused on somebody's doing it to me and there's nothing I can do about it. So your range of action can be pretty small because, again, the thing that ties those two moods down is and there's nothing I can do about it, right? But <clears throat> ambition, gratitude, peace, joy, that kind of stuff, there's, that's, that's a huge acceptance of what's possible as well as what's so. You're not going to suffer about what's so, you know, um, I'm so old, I'm whatever, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I have this money, I don't have that money. When you embrace just this is what I am, you know, as well as this is all the stuff that's possible much better mood to live in. And, you know, so, so you go about life, you go about your business in a much more energetic way, in a, you know, a satisfying way, okay? Um, anyway, I'll stop talking. I kind of got ahead of myself. No, you know, it's actually really interesting because what happens is, you know, like when you're talking with these people, you know, they're hiring you for a specific result. If you can over-deliver on that result, you know, on different tangents that uh, all tie back, I think it's, I think it's interesting, you know, and then you're at a point where you really have delivered more than what they asked you for. And then that just makes for a golden relationship. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you can get, if you can help people get to where they're consistently satisfied that they're, they're doing their business right, they're satisfied with their life. Not like I'm complacent, but I'm, I'm getting the results I want. I, I not only have, I've taken the time to identify what I, what I want and I'm getting exactly what I want. That's, that's pretty satisfying. That's gold. Getting exactly what you want. That's gold. All right. Well, this is great, Carrie. 
thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun, very informative. I really appreciate you taking the time to really break down these concepts. And it's just, it's just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation, Jeff. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.